Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Driving Mobility Podcast. I'm Kristen Slanina, the Chief Innovation Officer of Park My Fleet. Across the U.S., power outages are happening more frequently and are lasting longer than ever before. This is due to the extreme weather and an aging electric grid. Yes, outages are inconvenient, but it's so much more than that. They can also be costly and have serious health consequences, leading to heat illness, hypothermia, and even death. This is where microgrids come to support vulnerable communities, hospitals, and major businesses. An interesting Texas-based company called Enchanted Rock has a microgrid solution that's cleaner, quieter, and net zero carbon. Joining me today on the Driving Mobility Podcast is Nick Cassis, the Vice President of Sales at Enchanted Rock, to discuss our aging grid, microgrids in general, and how we can better address these outages. Thank you, Nick. It's so great having you here with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate being on this one. It's great to always be part of you know a solution that's just fun to be part of and it's a shiny new one on the on the block and has been for a little while you know when i first touched base with you and enchanted rock i was completely intrigued with the work that you're doing and also your journey so would love to have you tell me a little bit about yourself you know starting with where you grew up and where you went to school my background i am born and raised southern california so not to not too many of us natives there and Grew up in um, North County, beach town, small place called Encinitas, and was very spoiled uh, um, to live by the beach. And uh, family was either an automotive. My father was an automotive, and my my mother was a school teacher. So I have the the patience from from that side, as well as the the grease and the sore back from the other side of it. That's so, a good balance, a very good yeah. balance, Nick. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a lot of a uh, sweat equity in, in both sides of that, but. Uh, group there went to uh, Palomar College in Southern California. Throughout the the ranks, I, I really knew that I wanted to be in business development and kind of be in the commercial side of that. And had a couple different journeys through there, but everything from hospitality. I was a director of food and beverage for Hilton, all the way to regional manager for and shows my age a little bit, but Bell South and Singular. Most notably for anyone past the '90s, AT&T Wireless now, and then went into a small company that people kind of know of uh, called Michelin, and uh, ran their commercial business for North America, both for retail, uh, commercial fleet, as well as franchise. And then I, I knew the EV world was coming, right? You know, wanted to make sure I understood how I could support that and did a couple different ventures in and landed me to Enchanted Rock, where I do dual purpose microgrids and help the, the earth get a little cleaner. So tell us a little bit more about Enchanted Rock. And I'm also curious about, you know, the symbolism of the name unless you are from Texas, uh, Enchanted Rock's a fun, interesting name that you don't uh, automatically connect with microgrids, right? And so uh, Enchanted Rock's been open for a little over 16 years. I'm founded by our founder, Thomas, who I think is just a great story of, of who we are and resiliency is, is a piece of that. As you know, Thomas has a, a Navy background, was at a state park called Enchanted Rock and he's an avid uh, hiker and, and kind of outdoorsman and was out there with his family and had the concept of 
of what we are doing today, which is a dual purpose microgrids. And symbolically to his family was, let's call it Enchanted Rock, where he was having that idea with his family outdoors. And so that is where the, the journey started with us. It's pretty fun because again, if you're in Texas, it's a, it's a famous state park go and visit it but it's also uh, just a great story behind it of you know building it uh, right around his family and really what you know we're very very proud of as a company is just the the synergy that we have uh, as a team and our own family in Janet Rock. Oh that's a great story I love that I love that and you're right I didn't really know much about that in Texas so so what pain point exactly is Enchanted Rock solving and how are they going about this differently? What makes us different is we, we, we know our niche. Microgrid is a misused word as much as a turnkey solution is as a misused phrase. Resiliency and resiliency as a service are, are a big piece of ours. So, you know, what does that mean? And what, to, yeah, what do you yeah. mean by that? Because that's not yeah. a very common term. We understand that most folks have to feel some type of pain point when they lose the power. So if you are in California and you have rolling blackouts, if you're in Texas and all the you know, URI and any of the storms, if you're like we talked about in Florida, hurricanes, you know, those natural disasters happen, but you know, we never wanted to be in the ambulance chasing business where, oh, okay, a bad thing happened, we came in. And that's some of the, the folks out there in today that that's their solution. What we wanted to do is really kind of find the right folks and we don't call them customers because at the end of the day, we we really find people that want to make their community better. And so uh, examples of, you know, grocery chains where, you know, they already have resiliency or backup generators, but now we were able to offer a cleaner solution using natural gas. One of the stories I love telling you is HEB. So again, if you're in Texas, you know what HB is. If you're not from Texas, like me, it's like, don't know what the heck HEB means. It is a staple in Texas. And uh, what their big focus was is making sure the lights were always on for their communities. So during storms, during um, outages, that no matter what, they were always going to be that beam of light for their communities so they can get food, they can get... Uh, shelter, groceries, toilet paper, all the essentials you may need for any of those types of scenarios. And they do it in a great way. So our package or our microgrid allows them to always keep those doors on and the lights on for their community. And, you know, when looking at it, you know, what we solve is people that need to keep the lights on, whether it's healthcare and hospitals that you know, obviously we want them Very to, important. To, Very yeah, important. to have them on there, but it's also allows them to keep surgeries, important surgeries going on, not shipping people around. Uh, grocery chains, obviously we know, you know, we want those lights on, but anybody who, you know, is financially taking a hit, communities taking a hit, those are types of fields that we kind of support uh, in the community as backup generation. Um, we use our microgrids dual purpose, and one of them is we, we engage from a, an ROI perspective. We allow the microgrids or the generators to offset some of the cost uh, that people need to invest in doing it. And what we've done very, very well is understanding um, you know, the market and its growth. You know, Just like mm -hmm. most companies, we started off with diesel. That was where the market was. And, you know, understanding uh, that piece and Thomas and the executive team have done an amazing job of really kind of uh, understanding that. And so developing new technologies and growing with it right now, 
you know, natural gas and being able to do that, uh, being CARB DG certified, which allows, you know, folks that are going to lowering emissions or, or you know, getting to zero emissions and hitting those goals. We, we kind of help doing that. Uh, we also have projects right now where we're, we're doing hydrogen testing to make sure we understand the technologies there and on and on and on. We're always keeping our, our, our finger on the pulse on the next mm-hmm. thing to continuously grow and support our communities and our customers. That's fantastic. So it looks like you have kind of a really excellent technology roadmap looking out into the future. And, you know, you mentioned the cost and how you started with diesel. I'm curious. So how would you classify your cost per kilowatt hour, especially in comparison to different areas around the country in terms of from the grid? It's a tough question because it's not an easy answer. If you go, you know, per dollar and kilowatt, that's an easy from a financial perspective. When we look at our customers, uh, I'll give you a big box retailer, won't say the name, but for every 45 minutes that they're out, it costs them almost about a half a million dollars. Um, and so when you look at the, the cost per kilowatt, they don't look at it as that as much as yeah. can they keep their doors on and the cost that is associated with it. You know, one of our dealerships that we were talking through, I think for every day down and they've been getting consistent outages, it's almost $100,000 to cost them. So. You know, when you look at that and then you look at consistency um, as well as resiliency, the, the big part of ours and, uh, and making sure is that our customers feel comfortable with the technology. Diesel, uh, you know, we, we came from there, so I will never badmouth it, but there's pros and cons associated with diesel. And, and most people that own diesel generators know those pros and cons. You know, with natural gas and going that route, it's very consistent for us. It gives the availability we need to. And during storms like Uri and others for us just in Texas, it was a staple for the communities and as well as any of our customers to make sure those lights were on um, for critical infrastructure as well as others. So you kind of alluded to some of the clients that you serve. So who would you say is like the demographic of the client that you're mainly targeting? And is there certain locations in the U.S. that you are have you know have more clients and work more than in others? Yeah, it's it's easier to say what we don't do when it says okay. to, to verticals, because <laughs> but it, you know for us we look at you know pain points of a customer. You know if an outage happens. You know, does the business hurt? Does their community hurt? Does their their employees hurt? Like there's so many things that are associated with that. You know, when we talk about, call it verticals that are their core focuses, you know, we have our utility program that's a huge stable for us. So we work with utilities on demand response programs as well as just partnerships where they're trying to understand mm-hmm. the load in their communities and their areas and kind of growing from there. The EV uh, revolution, if you'd like to call it, we, mm-hmm. we know it's it's consistently coming. So commercial fleets that are coming out there, so large logistic companies like the UPS, FedEx, and Amazons that um, are looking to, or anybody with an ESG that is looking to kind of convert their fleets over, and you know from a resiliency as well as bridge power and kind of talking through that, we we kind of work with those. Healthcare, it's already built into it. So really for us, it's allowing the healthcare customers to actually have a cleaner solution than just using diesel, which is what they've been doing for a long time. And things like the CMS uh, waiver that came through that allows microgrids to come in, um, definitely allows them to kind of adopt a little bit easier and faster that way. Uh, Logistics, cold storage, uh, large uh, retailers and grocery stores, you know, those are the easiest ones to kind of say out loud. But again, we could be, uh, there's a whole list of that. Going on and Um, on. 
So yeah. maybe we get a little specific to just kind of help our audience in terms of a specific situation and maybe one of your favorite ones about, you know, the microgrid into use and how did it actually really help that company or that client? Uh, I'd love to hear the story. There's uh, there's so many great stories. Most recently, there was a few tornadoes that rolled through Texas. And when that happened, there was a few of our customers, specifically HEB, I'll go back to them because I know I can I can use their name. They were continuously, I think, for over seven hours with, with no hiccups from, from backup energy that allowed the community as well as critical uh, care around the area to get uh, the things that they needed. The one thing that was really interesting for me was when talking to the, the general manager uh, of that retail location, he was grateful that his employees were safe. And they also, you know, what people tend to not talk about is the deploy retention. You know, if you're in an area where you lose a lot of power, well, they got to go home, they're losing hours, the company's losing money, um, it becomes more difficult as an employee. And because of using the, the backup generators and, and the resiliency as a service, really making sure the lights were always on for that HEB, those employees, they had the highest retention, they, the employees are happier to work at that location. They also knew for their community, including Enchanted Rock employees, go to that HEB. And we know that we're like, okay, that one's gonna be on, we can go get our water and our essentials there. So that it was really fun cool story to hear from another mm-hmm. different way not just oh well the company's on and lights are on and great business is going well it's it does affect the community that is a fantastic story really yeah. love that and you know as we look into this new realm that we're going into with electrification right you know there's certain energy or areas of energy where they might only need a megawatt but you know when we look at future fleets if they're going to have you know hundreds of class 8 electric vehicles on there you're talking major megawatts so you know kind of curious about you know like the difference and differences in consideration between like one megawatt versus 50 plus megawatts and was curious what has been the largest megawatt system that you've yet installed to date what we've done well is our gen sets run uh, at the 450 500 kw and they're very modular in size as well as so it's a cookie cutter for us and so we know in the ev world as well as in the microgrid world you have to be flexible because not one size fits all for every single site whether it's land whether it's you know load capacity whether you know there's on and on of the, the stipulations and kind of thresholds what you need to hit by being modular allows us to be more flexible for our customers. But the 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 big piece for us when it comes to megawatts, we have our, our Microsoft one is probably our biggest one today. And that's our, our, our data, data center in Northern California. And that's a little over 72 megawatts. That's just a great partnership we have. Uh, the data center realm for us has has been very like hyper, hyper focus, hyper growth. And so there's a huge need there. Those sizes are in easily in the 30 to 50 megawatts, pretty consistent anywhere you go and on a global scale. Yeah, those are um, <laughs> From our, yeah, they're, they're fun. <laughs> you can you can, you can can talk to our internal team. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of headaches and, and beers probably being passed around for those <laughs> ones. But outside of that, you see a lot of like healthcare's are, are running right in that anywhere uh, 40 megawatts all the way down to you know, three megawatts, depending on the size as well as the need. Uh, I think uh, one point that you, you brought up was EVs is that there's, it's kind of a, a phased approach in EVs. So not only from the adoption for commercial fleets, if there's readily available commercial vehicles, um, if they even wanted, you know, 50, 100 of these vehicles, do they have enough 
power to actually charge them. And then technologies like vehicle to grid and all exactly. these other things, there's so many things out there. And so I think from an EV side, what we see a lot more than, than others is this ask or need for bridge power. You yes. know, understanding, okay, well, I want to buy 10 vehicles, but I can only take five vehicles at this point in time for X amount of reasons. And so there's a lot of customers, almost on a daily basis, that I get asked and the Chandra Rockets ask them, is there a bridge power option? And what does that look like? Our core focus, obviously, is is resiliency and backup. But again, because we're modular, we, we tend to look at the customers, look at their needs, and kind of support them in those places. Yeah, you know, that's fabulous. It's It's interesting. You have done really a huge range then in terms of what these microgrids look like in terms of the megawatt size. That's really fantastic. And you've talked a little bit about, you know, we've had a discussion about the resiliency and, you know, there's power outages. We just went through many here in Michigan and uh, and all over the world. And it seems that this is happening much more frequently, especially as we have what I what I'm seeing is a lot of very much unique you know sometimes they say like yep this is the 50 for the 500 year flood a 500 year storm you know there's all these things that seem to be happening on a global basis that really cause issues for communities and so speaking to this you know these cases some of them as you know are life-threatening as you say with hospitals and stuff and you know as a society like, should we really be concerned about this and take different steps than what we're doing or greater steps than what we already are doing? Yeah, I think it's that's a tough, tough one because at the end of the day, the, the easy answer is yes, absolutely. We, we need to be aware of it. It's not the, the, the fear part of it as where, whether that there's solutions out there and there's companies trying to solve those ones. I think when you talk about it, it, it used to be, you know, I remember when I lived in Florida, it was, okay, this is hurricane season, right? right. So you knew exactly, yes. you could plan it, okay, get the water, get this, you know, go through all of those processes, but they're coming, outages are coming more consistent and they're lasting longer than they've they've done in the years past. And it's continuously growing year over year. An outage used to be a couple hours and now you have places where it's days. And I think Texas uh, last week, just alone, there was four outages in the same day in just the Houston area itself. And then I was, you know, it's just, you're seeing them everywhere. And it's, it's becoming the new normal of the well, new how normal. do I work around? And yeah. so creating solutions, and that's part of the huge thing is partnering up with utilities to make sure that we can support them and others as well. It's not Enchanted Rocks, the one and only, but the fact is that there is companies out there just full-time, huge crews that are just working with utilities specifically to kind of build out these programs, support the community, and making sure that everybody has consistent load in order mm -hmm. to do it. Now, the wrench and everything always is, is EVs and the expansion of EVs yeah. because it's sporadic, it's not consistent. And anybody in the utility world knows is consistency is key. That allows you how to, to really to kind of understand it and plan it. <laughs> and that's really, really tough in the EV world. So I think you know having partners to, to go behind the curtain where it's messy and be able to kind of work together on that is, is a huge, huge piece here. I'm curious about how you already work with utility companies and what your thoughts are about grid efficiency in and of itself and, and and the grid technology roadmaps for the future how could that work hand in hand with microgrids as we think differently about this future energy and more resiliency in the system i think 
it's a great journey. You know, every time, you know, the, the team sits down with the utility companies is understanding their roadmap. You know, we, you know, I, I remember, I think it was a week or two weeks ago, I heard uh, something about 900 uh, additional megawatts of growth just in a few states that uh, one of the utilities is looking to do. And that's not including the, the expectancy of uh, additional EVs in the market, which they also have to look at. And so utilities have a really tough job and our, our job is really to help them uh, bring more consistency and additional uh, tools in their in their tool belt when it comes to load and managing their load. And so whether it's, you know, helping them with, you know, demand response programs or any types of tariffs that they're looking to put in place, whether it's to add additional load what through resiliency and, and help their existing customers that are already in their platform that may need some additional load there and, and work through bridge power or kind of go through that. So we are very flexible with working with the utilities because just like the commercial fleets, they're not all created equal. There's, you know, co-ops and munis and going, you know, on and on of Absolutely. how that stuff works. And there's different approval processes and different types of gauges, how they're trying to build it out. What we tend to do is be, you know, go on the whiteboard and say, okay, what's the magic number of what you're trying to hit? And we, we try to be something that can help them through that. And majority of the times there's, there's uh, solutions that we can kind of come up for them to kind of support them on that. Fantastic. That's good. And, you know, with electric vehicles coming into play, you know, so many companies are looking at their net zero targets in the future. And it is going to put greater pressure on the grid. But as we talked about, you know, the whole V to X and bi-directionality, I'm curious, Nick, about your thoughts on the opportunities then that EV have for kind of evening out the grid. I think, you know, the technology is consistently ramping up. I love V2X, V2G. I think the concept and the technology can get there from a, a large adoption. It's just not there yet. But just like anything new, it just takes time and development and resources. And I know there's a lot of companies that are out there kind of pushing that, you know, Ford came out with the V2X and then there's a few other V2G companies that were out there most recently something that was trying to pass through in California that all commercial vehicles were going to be V2G or bi-directional um, in order to kind of offset some of the load. So people are really thinking about how to do that. I think these are, they're, they're battery plants. That's what EVs are and right. being able to, to, to manage it correctly and technology will get there. I think a lot of people, just like with EVs, they're like, uh, well, range anxiety. It's yes. the same thing with, yes. well, you're going to you're gonna waste my battery and who's going to do... The reality is technology will catch up and it'll make it better. There's going to be some early adopters that are really going to show that this is something that can really help. I do think, you know, if you, if you take your steps back and really look at vehicle to grid or V to X, in the early days, it was made to support critical infrastructure, to support communities. It was not a business model. It was not yeah. to generate revenue. It was really to support load and give it consistency. Most people don't even use their car 95% of the time. And so this is great opportunity, especially if I know, yep, today I have no plans. And let's say there's, you know, huge heat index and everyone has their AC on my opportunity to actually get revenue, especially if there's peak demand charges for that energy. So interesting opportunities. Yep. I always say, I'm like, your 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 gas vehicle isn't 100% full in the garage every single night. So you can always <laughs> take advantage of that. So 
Very true. Very true. I love what Enchanted Rock is doing, and I see great opportunities with microgrids, as you say, working with you know utility companies and the regular grid. So I'm just curious, Nick, kind of as we're closing out here, what inspires you the most about the work you're doing today? I just see how it affects communities. It really is, you know, my 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 son who's 10, my daughter who's six, they're the world to me. And so thinking about them to, to have uh, all the opportunities in the future is a huge passion of mine and seeing what microgrids as well as EVs in general uh, have the capability to do for our future is just, it's awesome. And like I said, just being part of it is just a blessing. And I think that's what keeps me up at night in a positive way is knowing that I'm trying to to, to make this place a little bit better. Not, uh, I can't that's do it all by myself, but it does, you know, right. we can do it It takes together. a village, it takes a village. There are so many options out there. Understand what a microgrid is, understand how that can actually um, help your business, help your community, if that is an option, is that something striving? But um, there's a lot of secret sauces out there. If you do your due diligence and you really kind of look through it, um, just understand that there's a lot of solutions also out there that can really help you. It's not all hype. Um, you know, there's companies with hundreds of microgrids that are actually active out there and other ones with not so many. So it's the same thing with EVs and on and on and on. So, but just understand that there is solutions out there and there's companies that have been around for quite some time, been doing it pretty consistent. Excellent. Words of wisdom. And thank you so much, Nick. I really enjoyed the discussion today and love what you and the company is doing. Well, thank Thanks you for again. having us on. I appreciate it.